Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Good morning, everyone. How are we going? Awesome. I've just realised I left my notes back there, but we'll see what happens. Um, it's great to see you all today. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> cool. Um, no, it's, it's really good to see you. Um, new Year. Happy New Year. Um, it's, a, it's a new, as they say, New Year, New Me. Uh, or as I say, New Year, New Me, New Diet. Because every year I, I try to eat healthier because every year that need seems to grow. Um, but, you know, Brock was saying earlier, like, just talking about, um, you know, maybe you've, you've made it through the last two days, maybe you haven't. I'm proud to say that I have made it through two days um, with only two cheat days, so we're doing well. Um, <laughs> now, it's, um, it's really, I'd like to start, I, I'd really like to say it's such an honour to be bringing the first message of this year to you guys, and, and I mean, like, when I say you guys, this is, this is crazy, right, because I was really hoping it was going to be you. Like, if you. like, this exact group of people is who I was hoping would be here today. I, I said on my way in, like, man, if it's not them, I'm walking straight back off that stage. But I look around now, and it's you guys. So thanks for being here. Um, let's just pray to start off uh, so that Jason can sit down. All right. <laughs> Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you've got your hand on this morning. We just ask that... You know, as I speak, God, these would be your words. Um, and Father, as, as we listen to your words, we just pray that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open to receive what you've got to say today. So Lord, we, we entrust all of this to you um, and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Awesome. I can't believe it's you, honestly. This is, this is great. Oh, ah, man. This is, this is a good start to the year for me. Wait, oh no, Danielle's here, never mind. All right. Um, <laughs> no, so <laughs> I, um, I warned her I'd mention her today, but we've got another mention coming up later. All right. But it's interesting, isn't it? It is you guys. Because if you think about it, anyone could have come in today and sat in the seat you're in, but it was you. And um, this, this exact group has never been in here today, not, not exactly this, I mean, we've been close a few times, like maybe, I don't know, I was never really paying that much attention, but maybe we had one day where we were all here except A-Train, maybe we, we had a day where none of you guys were here, I don't know, like none of you would know because it would be the day you weren't here, but, you know, we've never had this exact group in this room before, and, and I was curious as to why that is. Why, why was it you guys? Why were you here today? What, what made you decide to come in? And, and there's a few reasons. There's, there's heaps of reasons, really. And sorry if my mic's messing up, Peter. Um, but, you know, there's, there's so many different reasons that you might have come in today. You might have decided to come in out of habit. Just, it's just something you do every week. Every Sunday, you're at church, which is great. We need that consistent commitment, you know? Maybe some of you came in for the community, for the people, which is, which is biblical. It says, don't forsake the gathering together of believers. Hi, Mum. <laughs> Just point out that you're coming in late. No. <laughs> um, no. no, Joseph's a teenager now, so we've got to deal with that. 
Um, you know, there's, there's so many reasons. Maybe, maybe you like to come in and worship God, just arms outstretched, heart abandoned to God, you know, just singing out his praises. I don't know. Danielle, why are you here today? You love Jesus. Good answer. That's so good. And I was thinking earlier this, this week, why, why am I going to be there on Sunday? And I mean, they asked me to speak, so it would have been weird if I didn't show up. But why, why do I come to church? And, and for me, and I'm sure for many of you, the answer is that we want to put God first. We want to prioritize him. You know, we want to make a, a conscientious effort to, to consider him before the rest of our week. You know, because Sunday morning is the start of the week. Um, I often forget about that, and I kind of chuck it down the end with Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, the weekend. It's not actually meant to be that. It's, it's meant to be the first day and the last day of the week, the weekends, the ends of the week, like you might have the ends of a shoelace. So that's my first point for you today. A week is like a shoelace. <laughs> I don't know why they still let me up here, but here today, why am I speaking to you guys? Because the truth is, nothing I say today is going to carry any more truth than the Word of God. The Word of God that we carry around in our pockets. The Word of God that's sitting on the shelf at home. The Word of God that it says in the Bible is written on our hearts. Why am I here today? I'm meant to kind of put my own spin on it. I'm hoping that I'll share something or teach something. Or I'm really, I would love it if there's someone in this room going through a situation or someone watching online, hi to you guys, who's going through a situation and something that God wants to say today will point you back to him. I'm really praying that that happens today. That would be amazing. But the fundamental truth is that I am here to speak out a truth most of you already know. And that truth is that Jesus Christ came to earth to die in our place, to overcome death, so that we could be forgiven of our sins and join him in eternal life. That's, that's the truth. That's the gospel that you already know, and I'm just here to speak it out again. And I thought that was interesting. But, you know, if that's the central truth, if that's the core belief of us as Christians, then when we start with that, everything else, everything else in our life just needs to align to that truth. And if we can do that, if we can get everything else in our life to point to that, that's, that's what we're meant to do. That's how we're meant to live, right? When we start with Jesus, everything else becomes a response. Okay, and that's, that's the message for today. That's the series we're going through now, First Responders. It's about putting God first and how everything else becomes a response to that. How's my mic going? Can everyone hear me? Awesome. All right. So, yeah, First Responders. It's a term that we, we generally give to um, the triple zero crew, pretty much, the first people to respond to an emergency. So you've got your ambulance officers, your firemen, your police, right? And I thought, I googled it just to double check, but they qualified, kind of come under that. So I'm going to talk about that today. Anyone in the room, first aid qualified? Awesome. All right. Well, if anyone has an asthma attack, we should be all right. Um, but yeah, so if you've, if you've been through the training, you'll know that they, they talk you through an acronym. Anyone know the acronym? Doctors ABCD, D-R-S-A-B-C-D, fantastic. So that's, that's an acronym that, as a first aider, you can just kind of run through in your head as a way of kind of checking through as you go, make sure you don't miss any big steps, make sure you're doing it in order, make sure everyone's going to be okay. 
So, yeah, that's, that's a great little acronym, but it's missing a step. It's missing something that happens right at the start. And, and in the training, they, they make a big point of it. They, they say, this, this part's really important, you've got to remember that, and then they don't put it in the acronym and most people forget about it. But that part is the decision, right at the start, when you, when you see, you're walking down a road and you see someone choking, the decision on whether or not you're going to help. That's the first part. And it's really important because what if, what if you've got somewhere to be that's, that's really important as well, right? What if, what if you've got to go to work or, or catch up with that friend for coffee or whatever it is, something really important, right? And, and you're walking down the road and someone's choking. If you say, hey, are you okay? You've made the decision to stop and help. And legally, as a first aider, as soon as you decide to stop and help, you are responsible to stay and help until that person is either okay or someone more qualified like an ambulance officer has come along to take over. Okay? So, so that decision is really important. And there's a lot of weight on that, because what if you say, hey, hey, are you okay? And, and it gets worse. And suddenly you have to do CPR, and then you've got to get someone to call the ambulance and, and all this stuff, and it's, it's getting worse. What if, what if worst-case scenario, something really bad happens, and that person's family blames you? Because you were there. Why, why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you do more? You know, it's a lot of weight to carry. So they came up with a law. They put this law in place so that if you do decide to stop and help, if you're qualified to, to be there, and you do your best, then no matter what happens legally, you can't be found at fault. You can't be to blame under that law, right? And so they called that law the Good Samaritan Law. And, and many of you know the, st the story of the Good Samaritan from the Bible. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful story all about first aid. And, um, well, a bit more than that. But... Uh, it is a, it's a great story. It, it really, to me, it shows Jesus' heart for how we ought to live and how we ought to love one another and how we as Christians can respond when we see a need. And so I'd like to read this to you now from Luke 10, 25 to 37, which says this, On one occasion, an expert in the law... Now, this guy doesn't get named, so we're going to call him Steve. All right? Steve. Steve stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to gain eternal life? Which is a pretty good question. Jesus says, what's written in the law? How do you read it? So Steve says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Good on you, Steve. You got it right. But then he wants to justify himself, doesn't he, Steve? He's, he, wants to, he doesn't want to waste his time helping the wrong people. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> so he says, Jesus, who is my neighbour? Now, neighbour back then meant pretty much the same it does now. Neighbour, someone near to you. Neighbour most closely translates to near one, essentially. So... So we all kind of know what he's talking about. Who is my neighbour? So Jesus replies with this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's basically the distance of Mount Barker to Murray Bridge. But on the way, he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. But then a priest comes along. <laughs> so where Jesus is telling this story, you know, 
the people listening to the story, the priests, okay, they all recognize that's a, that's a holy man. It's basically Josh, right? Someone really, really good comes along. And he's walking past. A holy man, a priest, happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Maybe, maybe he had places to be. Maybe he had a ceremony. Maybe there was a goat that needed dealing with. You know, priests, priests you know, if you're really close to God, God does a lot. So, assumedly, assumedly probably, a priest would do a lot as well. So maybe he was busy. But then a Levite comes along, okay? And the Levite, so everyone listening, they knew who a Levite was. Descendant of the clan of Levi, right? Who were the original bearers of the Ark of the Covenant. They, they looked after the tabernacle. These were cool guys, okay, back in the Old Testament. So, so he's a descendant from them. He's, he's important. He's a cool guy, okay? We all want to be like a Levite. So a Levite, VIP, he comes down. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Okay, so maybe... Maybe he had autographs to sign. Maybe, maybe, he was, uh, maybe he just helped someone down the road, giving them his donkey. So he's like, well, I can't just carry you to Murray Bridge. You know? like, so he, he couldn't help. But a Samaritan comes along. Now, a Samaritan's not a priest. He's not holy. He's not cool. A Samaritan was someone that you didn't really want to be like, someone you didn't want to associate with. They were kind of gross racially. Um, they, yeah, they just... No one liked the Samaritans. They, kind of, they were half Jew, half Gentiles. They were this, this other group. You just you didn't associate with them. You didn't talk to them. You just left them alone. Gross. Samaritan comes along. As he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So then Jesus turns to Steve. He says, so which one do you think was a good neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Steve? Oh, the one who had mercy on him, I suppose. Right again, Steve, go be like him. Now, that's a great story, but... The first couple of times I read through it, something bothered me about it. And I don't know if, if you were a little bothered by Jesus' answer, because it doesn't like it doesn't it doesn't quite connect. There's just Steve asked, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus doesn't really answer the question. He says, Steve says, Who's my neighbor? Jesus gives him a scenario. Here's three guys, which of those is a neighbour? Be like him. Does that mean we're meant to help ourselves? Are we meant... Because, hold up. If, if that's the neighbour, right, if the Samaritan's the neighbour, then are we meant to help Samaritans? Because what, what Steve really wants to know is, who should I love like myself? And if the answer is Samaritans, okay, I'll go love Samaritans. But, but we all know that everyone's your neighbour, don't we? Isn't that the point? But if, if, we're, if we're trying to love people, but then that neighbour is us in the story, then we, we're helping ourselves, so that doesn't work. Just Jesus, I mean, stick to carpentry, man. This is confusing. I've, I've rewritten it so it makes better sense, all right? I've, don't worry, I've sorted it out. I've fixed up what Jesus messed up. Here we go. 
from the Wallified Version, Luke 10, 25 to 37. A priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan all walk into a bar. <laughs> they then get attacked by robbers, stripped of their clothes, beaten up, and left half dead. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he stops in for a glass of apple juice. <laughs> when he saw them, he didn't ask stupid questions like, which one's my neighbor? Because you should help everyone because everyone's your neighbor, Steve. That, that answers the question, right? That's, that's the point Jesus was trying to get across, isn't it? Isn't it? I think that... Oh, it's gone. I think that answers the question. What if I asked you, who's your neighbour? <laughs> Brock just points to Tash. <laughs> now, who, who is your neighbour? Who are, who are you called to love as yourself? And, you know, with, with our New Year's resolutions, maybe some of you have made that decision. Maybe the person you want to love as yourself is the version of you that weighs a few kilos lighter. Or the person that spends a bit less money. Maybe, maybe you want to be neighbours with someone who spends more money so you can just, they can be generous for you. That's why I'm friends with A-Train. Um, <laughs> no, there's... <laughs> you know, there's... Who, who is your neighbour? Who have you decided that you want to love as yourself? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's that family member or, or friend that you never seem to have enough time for, and so you want to love them by being more, more generous with your time or, or more dependable, or, or maybe you just want to have better time management. I think sometimes we can, we can look at our, our New Year's resolutions as an indicator of what's important to us. You know, and, and, and who is that loving? Who's the neighbour in, in that situation? Maybe you don't have a specific person in mind. Maybe, maybe you've decided for this year overall so that you can just help people in general. Like maybe, maybe you've decided for this year you're going to fix up your sleeping schedule and get frustrated less easily and spend less money and go to the gym and eat really healthily and... You know, spend time with the people around you and, and do all this good stuff. Just be a good person. Say something funny all the time and, and be really clever and, and, you know, be really focused on your work or your study. But, hey, you know, if it doesn't work over the next couple of weeks, there's always next year, you know. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you just want to be a better person for the sake of all people because that's, that's what this story is about, isn't it? Good Samaritan, the point of the story is be a good person to the people around you, isn't it? Is, isn't it? Or is it? Because Jesus doesn't tell it like that. Jesus tells a story about, okay, there's a person in need. Who's your neighbour? Well, which of these three was the neighbour? He, he puts the role in this story, in this analogy, the role of the helper, the role of the, the loving person, that's the neighbour. So if that's our neighbour then in this story, in this parable, in this analogy, we are the broken, beaten, robbed man lying in the dust with nothing. In this story, that's, that's our position. And then the neighbour, the, the near one, comes along. And he sees us. And he comes up to us and he bandages our wounds and he pours on oil symbolic of anointing, and he pours on wine, symbolic of blood, and he gives us his place on the donkey, and he takes us somewhere safe, and he looks after us, and he pays the price 
for us to be made whole again. That's the story Jesus tells. And he calls us to live like the one who showed mercy, but he first puts us in a place of receiving mercy. He loves us first. So in response, we should go and do the same. And there's a Bible verse in Romans 5.8 that, that just says this so beautifully. And I've loved this, this verse for so long. It says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, and I've, I've read that Bible verse over and over and over again. I just, I love it. But until recently, I got it wrong. I just, I subconsciously, I was adding these, just like the, putting strings on it. I was, I was adding my own kind of context to it. I was putting my own meaning on this verse that wasn't actually true. I never really understood, and I probably still don't fully understand it, if I'm honest. But, you know, when I read it, I used to think that he was saying Jesus died while we were still sinners because of our potential. He saw us at our worst, and he said, hey, if I die for them, they might get better. You know, if I make a way, they might take it. If I, if I step in, if I help them out, we can, we can get them to a stage that is better. That's how I always read it. He died while we were still sinners. He died for us. In the hopes that with him, we would move away from our sin. That's how I read it. That's what I added to it. But, but God's love is unconditional. The truth is, Jesus saw us in the depths of our disparity. He saw us at the lowest of our low, when we were hopeless and helpless, bruised and broken... He saw us in that state. And he knew that most of us wouldn't change. He knew most of us wouldn't come to him. And even those of us who did, we would still fall short again and again and again, day after day, returning back to our sin. He knew that. And in that moment, he decided we were worth dying for. Even if we never changed, even if we never got better, even if we never got it right, we were worth dying for. That's the truth about the gospel. That's the core belief of Christianity is that Jesus died for us. Not to make us change, but simply because he loved us. And as response to that, we just get to be with him. It's incredible. It's mind-blowing. And like I said, I don't fully understand it because I don't deserve it. But he's already done it. We can't change that. We just get to accept it. When we start with that truth, when we align the rest of our life to that, when we put God first in our week, first in our year, first in our worries, first in our stresses, first in our work and our relationships, when we put him in front of of all the other stuff we value, when we put him in front of how we appear to others, when we put him in front of our health, how we're feeling, what we're doing, when we put him in front of that, when we seek first the kingdom of God, all that gets taken care of. And it's because he's our neighbour. He wants to be near to us. And you know, I'm, 
I don't, I know some of you who like a practical application, and I don't have like three points for you today, I don't have three easy steps, but if you'd like a way of applying this message today, then what I'd like you to do is, is think of the three most important things in your life right now. And maybe, maybe your New Year's resolutions are a good indicator of that. Maybe you want to lose weight. Maybe you want to save money. Maybe you want to be a better friend or a, or a better family member. I don't know what it is, but whatever the three most important things in your life are right now, just write them down or just, or just think about them. And then for each one, think of a way to put God in front of that, to prioritize God over that. Or better yet, okay, better yet, find out a way for each thing that's really important to you. Find a way to include God in that. Because that's, that's what God really wants. He just wants to be in it with us. You know, he chose to be Emmanuel, God with us, because he just wants to be a part of our lives. That's, that was the plan from the beginning. From the very beginning, to come alongside us, to be with us. That's why it was paradise. It's because God was there. And so I'd like to read to you now my favorite part of the Bible. It's from Genesis 3, verse 8. And it says, it's not my favorite verse, and I'll explain why in a second, but it's my favorite part. In Genesis 3, verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's my favorite part. What a beautiful picture. Just Adam and Eve in the garden, spending their days naming the animals, choosing different combinations of fruit. Whatever they do, just find a tree, sit under it, chat, sing, dance, whatever you do in paradise, right? Adam and Eve just there. And then the evening comes, the cool of the day. And the Lord God Almighty walks through that garden, calling out your name. That's, that's beautiful. And that's what God wanted. He wanted to just be there with us. But the verse doesn't end there. The first half is my favorite, and the second half, not so much. Because as the Lord God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid in the trees that he'd planted for them. The trees that he'd given them to give them shade or to give them fruit or just to give them beauty, something awesome to look at, or to give them apple juice, you know. Like, they, they hid in his creation. They hid from the creator. And the sin was bad when they ate the fruit. They, they disobeyed, and that was wrong. But when they were in that situation, their response was separation. They chose to hide from the very person that they needed most in that moment. And maybe that's a hereditary thing, because I do that too. And I think if we're honest, we all do that. When, when we mess up, when we feel like we're not good enough, we, we draw back. We try to hide it. We try to hide from the judgment. We try to hide from the consequence. And with God, we try to hide from his light because 
His light reveals every part of us that isn't good enough. And I spoke earlier about the Good Samaritan law, the law that that kind of covers us so the responsibility isn't on us. And that word responsibility, I didn't realise this until I googled it, but the word responsibility comes from the same word response. When you've got responsibility on you, it means that you're answerable to someone. And generally the reason we fear responsibility is because we fear that our answer isn't good enough. We fear that we don't have enough to give. And, and like when God was walking through the garden, he was calling out to Adam and Eve, they were scared that their answer wouldn't be good enough. But what Jesus shows us is that when our response is fear, his response is love. When our response is to step back or to hide, his response is to step in. When we fall, Jesus takes the fall for us and he draws near to us because he just wants to be that neighbour, that near one. And we, when we feel like we're too broken, too bruised, when we feel like everything that we could have offered has been robbed from us, when we feel like we're lying in the dirt with nothing, he comes along and he sees us and he draws near to us. And so in response, let's draw near to him. And what better way to celebrate that? What better way to do that right now than in communion with one another? If you want to grab your communion packs, what we're going to do, just, just to start off the year for 2022, what I'd like you to do is, is find the people near to you. Just turn to the people next to you or, or in front or behind you and And let's just take a few moments as we eat and drink together just to share what God's done in 2021 or to share a way you want to draw near to Him in 2022. Let's just draw near to one another. Let's draw near to God. Let's respond to Him. And maybe you'd prefer to take this time in quiet reflection on who God is, respond to Him that way. That's fine too. Whatever you want to do with this time. But I thought just to start off the year, it'd be be cool to just share that with one another. So... If you want to take a couple of moments just to break into those small groups, let's eat and drink together and let's respond to God. And um, I'll give you a couple of minutes and then I'll close in prayer. I'm just going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
that even when we have nothing, when we have nothing to give, nothing to offer, when we have no worth of our own, Jesus, you come along and, and you see us and you draw near to us and, and you love us to death. You, you go all in for us no matter what, even, even if we never got any better, even if we could never give you any more, Jesus, you died for us because in your eyes we were worth it. That's how much you loved us. And so, Father, we just want to respond to that right now. Um, God, we just pray that you would be with us as we, as we head into 2022. And, and Father, we just ask that we would never forget how close you are. That we can always, no matter what we do, no matter how far we go down the wrong path, God, you are always there. All we need to do is turn to you and you'll be there. And, and I just, I'd like to pray if there's anyone in this room or anyone watching online who, who wants to turn to you now, whether it's something they've done before or not, God, if, if there's anyone who feels in their heart that you are calling them, calling their name and that they've been hiding from you. Father, I just want to pray over those people right now that, God, they would know that there is no fear when it comes to you. We have nothing to fear. We don't need to fear your judgment. We don't need to fear the consequence of our actions because, Jesus, you've paid the price for us to be made whole again. God, you've done everything necessary to be near to us. So, Father, for anyone in this room that's, that's in, that, in that space right now, that wants to draw near to you, God, I just ask them that you would embrace them right now, Father. That you would just come alongside them, fill them with your Holy Spirit, God. Fill them with your love, with your peace. Fill them with the knowledge that, that what you did was for them. It was for us, God. So we just thank you for that and we ask that you would help us as we live out our lives in response to who you are, to what you've done, God. We just thank you praise you in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.